everybody. Welcome to the SAP. How are we today? This is your post-July 4th episode. I don't even know when I'm airing these anymore. Uh, I'm, I've been on vacation and I've been sick. So this is uh, your um, head cold Dave. Nice to see you all today. Uh, let's get through this. I'm actually alone. This is a solo episode. This isn't one of those jazzy intros I do before I interview somebody. Solo episode. Um, I had to get Tasha out early this morning. We've just been so busy. Life's been busy. It's our midsummer uh, hump that we're trying to get over. and Trying to do our midsummer hump, if you know what I'm talking about. If anyone's watching this episode, I'm recording it from my mom's Airstream camper. Um I've been staying at my parents' house, and uh, this felt like the quietest place to go to to record an episode. And to be honest, I love this camper. It's small. There's a bed. There's a table. There's a little kitchen. There's a place to take a shit. And and, and most importantly, there's an air conditioning unit, which I've turned off because I don't want to make noise for this episode. So I'm in an aluminum box in the middle of summer in Rhode Island. That's where I'm at. Actually flying back to Boston first thing in the morning. Uh, Tasha couldn't be with us today because she actually got a last-minute appointment to meet with a Lyme disease specialist in Washington, D.C. So she had booked her trip to Rhode Island for Friday uh, to Tuesday, which is tomorrow, and um, then found out she had this uh, amazing chance to meet with his doctor, and um, I was like, you got to go. So today, this morning, she flew from Boston to D.C., She's going to meet with this doctor. She's going to wave to the Washington Memorial, and then she's going to fly back. And um, that's it. So life getting in the way of things. But taking a little time out to fix herself, and in return, hopefully she can find some peace and health. And, um, of course, I want that too because she's an investment. And I made the mistake yesterday. I told her, I was like, hey, Tasha, um, you know, when we get married, can I get you at a discount now that you're damaged? That didn't go over well. <laughs> Don't say that to a girl. She knew I was kidding. I'm kidding. She's not damaged. We've all got flaws, both emotionally and physically. And right now, a tick bit her in the ass, and she's got Lyme disease. And um, we'll talk about it as the process goes. It's you know, it can be it can be one of those diseases if left um, un um, un uh, <laughs> what's the term really undiagnosed or uh, untreated. You know, it can lead to neurological issues. You can get Lyme rage, which I, whenever she does something now, I go, oh, boy, the Lyme rage is kicking in. And then she punches me. Uh, and then she attacks me like a tick. She bites like ticks. She's got six legs and she hangs out in tall grass. You know, being in a solo episode, there's going to be these moments of pausing where I drink coffee because I'm alone. Um, I'm recording this episode with my new Canon G7X camera. It doesn't get, um, I only think it shoots 30 minutes at a time. So maybe I'll start just uh, giving people the first 30 minutes and then uh, they can listen to the rest. Uh, Go to YouTube, Dave Neal on YouTube and you can go find that. Uh, Last episode, let's talk about it. I interviewed Hannah Orenstein and um, it was very informative. There was a lot to talk about. She was a matchmaker and wrote a a fictional book um, about a matchmaker living in New York City, which was you know, not autobiographical, but she pulled from past experiences, and um, and it, and it was a good chat with her. But I got an I got an email, as you do. I got an email from a listener who said they had to turn it off um, two or three times because it was so painful to listen to because they kept uh, rambling and interrupting her. And I agree, I do that sometimes. And uh, I and I I couldn't uh, I couldn't respond without at least giving an excuse. I don't know. I just it was the first time that I've had an interview set up through a publicist. 
And this isn't publicist bashing. I think the job of the publicist is to coordinate interviews for the guests so they don't have to overthink about the logistics of everything. But what it does on my end of things is it makes me have to go into an interview cold without knowing someone first, you know, versus those like those little moments where you're texting back and forth. Oh, I'm looking for parking. Oh, I stepped in a puddle. Blah. And then you just have some fam- familiarity. So we went into the interview with never having spoken a word to each other before. And in, the, in, the, in that instance, it kind of feels like first date. So when I'm talking to someone and interviewing them, I can look in their eyes and know that the conversation's not, um, I don't know, moving along as rapidly as I would have hoped, you know, in an instance where I'm with my buddies, where we just know how to finish each other's sandwiches, if you will. So it was one of those conversations where I was like, I'm going to keep talking until I know what I want to say next to you. So, um, I'm a piece of shit sometimes. Uh, I'm not that great. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I know I didn't take it too, too, um, sensitively because, um, the, the guy who wrote in was like, eh, big time listener. I think he listens over in China. I think he's listening in Shanghai or something crazy like that. Could, am I wrong? Am I mixing two different emails? Anyway, point is I appreciate you. I appreciate your feedback. And in, in the only defense of my shitty interview, which, you know, maybe it came off a little shitty. Hopefully we got some out of it. And again, not blaming Hannah at all. She was so sweet. My only defense is that like, you know, I too get awkward when I'm meeting somebody for the first time. And I like to be less prepared. Like for this whole episode, I just wrote down, I don't know, five sentences of things I wanted to talk about. And the rest I would just want to find. I want to find where we head. Did I bring my phone? Oh, there's my phone. I want to find like where we, where, what, what we want to explore and kind of pick things apart. Um, it's my last day in Rhode Island. Uh, I got to head back to Boston, uh, head back to Los Angeles tomorrow. I know it's like 115 degrees because every fucking idiot is posting stupid screen grabs of their, you know, temperature on their car. 122 degrees. It's like we get it. We know. Chill out. It's been beautiful here. It's been amazing. I um. Here's here's some interesting uh, news to tell all of you fine folks out there. You you know you know I've babbled on. Um, and by the way, if this is the first episode you stumble upon, my name is Dave Neal. I am a um, comedian and uh, former um, uh, corporate uh, world person who uh, got out of that world real quick. And I'm just trying to pursue authenticity, find love, and communicate in an honest way. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? Just be on this earth and communicate and kind of let the ego aside and just say, hey, I love you and I want you to know why and I'm going to hug you. And then the guy's like, I'm a stranger and I'm just your waiter. And I go, yeah, but bring me those french fries. Let's do this shit. Trying to trying to find love in every moment I can. Um, and finding out ways in which I'm the problem through my own stubbornness or defensiveness and things like that. Because in the end, I just want to put the, the best self out there. And uh, maybe you guys do too. Uh, with that said... I re-met my grandfather this week for the first time since I was a teenager. Uh, a lot of my family, he uh, he had eight kids, so I've got eight aunts and uncles, big family, 30 different cousins, this and that. A lot of the family stopped talking to my grandfather. He uh, dabbles in the alcohol. He's a free spirit. Uh, you know, he would live on a boat, uh, a writer and singer, like a crooner, like a Sinatra type would just travel around, play gigs, and you know, maybe maybe a womanizer, maybe maybe he just was like uh, not the type to, should, that should have settled down. And he lived in a world when he did. I mean, he he's a graduate of Boston College, and 
He was, he just, I think he lived in a time where he wasn't accepting who he really was and he tried to fit into a mold that he couldn't um, be authentic to. And because of that, uh, disappointed most, if not all of his children. Most of my aunts and uncles still don't talk to him. But what happened last year is my stepdad, Luke, who's been a gift, uh, an absolute gift to my family, uh, decided that it's time to make amends and talk to our grandfather and you know he's got niece he's got grandchildren uh, great grandchildren he's never met before my sister's four kids and a, and a whole bunch of history that it's like what are we doing why are we not talking to this guy he lives a couple states over so they drove up and they um last summer started talking to my grandfather again and they didn't bring up the past they didn't bring up all the ways he failed all the things that would just make him defensive you know there's tremendous guilt and i think what they did is the smart thing kept it light same thing you're supposed to do on a first date. Keep it light. You know what I mean? Talk about whatever's on the mind. And um, so my family reconnected with him starting last year. And to see the photos of my sister with her newborn baby girl and my grandfather, her uh, great-grandfather, all together is is incredible because those are what you'll remember is those photos and not the times where you didn't know where your grandfather was. So it, what's interesting is my... Um, my, you know, you know my story about my dad being, you know, having passed away and being a Vietnam vet, PTSD, and all that. Not having a relationship with my dad was actually, you know, of course, on the other side of my family. So it's been difficult in my life finding uh, the correct uh, figures to look up to. Uh, but credit where it's due, I've got a great support system of uncles and stepdad and friends, older older guy friends that have, you know really without having to explain things in a PowerPoint, show me what it is to be a man. And sometimes that means crying when you're supposed to cry and being tough when you're supposed to be tough and being steadfast and sturdy in a world that can be chaotic. And that's what we aim for. And again, I'm in my early to mid thirties. I don't claim to know anything. This is just my story. So meeting my grandfather was way more emotional than I thought it would be for a man that I haven't really gotten to know much of in my life. I mean, there are several times I remember he'd randomly show up, you know, with a kite or a wiffle ball kit and we'd play it, you know, as kids. But I could probably count the number of times I've met him on two hands, um, which is still more than the number of times I've met my own father. Uh, But I cherish those memories and... I was luckily young enough to not remember any or not to harbor any ill will. Uh, when people ask, what's it like not, you know, having, you know, reconnected with your grandfather? And I go, what's it like to not know, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know what you don't know. I never knew what it was like to have a biological father. I never knew what it was like to have a present grandfather. Uh, I did know what it was like to see my friends, like my best friend growing up, Stephen, had a, had a had a dad that was his coach on his team and you know was there for him and his grandparents were always there buying him random shit so I was able to see it some you know sort of outside looking in but you know what I mean like I don't resent uh, him for having that happiness what I've been able to find is just the love of strangers and random connections and people that I've met and while it might not be my DNA uh, these are these are fucking all star people that have presented themselves into my life and I've always said I'm incredibly um, opportunistic and incredibly lucky. I've been so lucky to, uh, what I've always said, have opportunities show up to my door, but also ring the doorbell. A lot of people don't have their don't have the batteries put in their doorbell. You know what I mean? So opportunities there, you know, hitting buttons, and, and and we're too busy with our Beats wireless headphones inside listening to this podcast, rate and review, share with your friends, and we're not listening to what's right out there. 
And that might be a relative trying to reconnect. It might be a dad, you know, doing some random act of forgiveness and and we brush it off. And the key to finding the true, I think, treasures in life is to not brush it off, but to actively listen for the people that are out there trying to make amends. It's not always going to be someone who walks up and goes, Dave, I apologize, and here is why. Sometimes it's a, you know, girlfriend who's just, you know, you know, like Tasha, after I fight with Tasha, you know, you guys know, you've listened long enough. You know that, like, sometimes fights can, you know, take a couple of days to cool down. It's like lava sometimes, you know, and you, it looks dry, it looks cool, and then you touch it, and it's like, oh, that's fucking hot still. And then, you know, you got your oven mitts on, and you're trying to conversate. You ever fight with oven mitts on? That's the most uh, defensive, like, hey, look, I'm not going to burn you. Leave me alone. Uh, you just look like a lobster negotiating. Uh, but uh, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll, a fight will be over, and I'm like, I don't know if she's ready to talk to me, and then she'll randomly be talking about, like, new apartments we can look at. Or, like, let's look at this place. This is nice. And I'll go, oh, that's her way of saying, like, like babe, I want to move on. And, um, and I have to accept that and not be like, no, I need a notarized statement of you admitting what you did wrong. It is good for to... It is good in a relationship to let the other per- to kn- to know when the other person's um, fully apologized. But I think I I honestly believe it's also smart to know that their apology might be a little more. Um, f- there might be some shame to their own feelings or or some shyness even, and their apology might not be handwritten. Now Tasha needs me to apologize in a way that's like written English, like I am sorry, and here is why, and she just needs. She needs that sort of clarity that I know why I'm sorry, but um, but where I am, I don't need that from her. I don't need uh, my grandfather to tell me, you know, that he's sorry that things didn't go well. Like, I don't need that. You're here in the moment, and we don't need to hold on to our past. Um, again, you don't want to be walked over in some shit relationship. You know what I mean? But you know when the other person is sorry, so why do you need to be told it? You know? On the flip side... I do believe that we it is in our power as those that are listening right now it is in our power to apologize for what we have done wrong in a fight or in life you know like like it's while we while we shouldn't expect it from others we should expect that we we can hold ourselves to a higher standard I'm holding you to a higher standard this this isn't your average podcast listener base that's just here to you know fart into a microphone sometimes that happens sometimes we have some stupid stories to tell but sometimes we're getting to the next level because there isn't much left to live for if it's not to get to that next level. And I think my family just started to do that with my grandfather. You know, no politics at the dinner table. Let's, and you know what? We treated him like he was one of us, which means there was a party of 80 people on 4th of July and he got to have conversations with some and maybe not conversations with others, but there'll be a tomorrow. And if he does die tomorrow, if this was it, I think the family will be happy that we've all reconnected with him. Um, 4th of July. How about that? It was fun, right? No one blow their hands off with fireworks. They always say like, don't get injured on 4th of July. Well, guess what I did? If anyone follows my social media, you might have seen the bloody face post photo that I posted. I should repost this. I'll, I'll try to repost a bloody nose photo on the uh, the SAP Instagram. I uh, was playing tennis with my aunt and uncle and my brother, and I was getting my ass kicked. And it was, you know, 90 degrees, 100% humidity. 
And um, I was I was getting better. I actually got better as the game went on. My muscle memory came back. But uh, my brother was on the opposing team, and we were playing doubles. And he served the ball to me. And again, no reason for this. The ball kind of curved away from my forehand. And instead of like switching my position to hit it as a backhand, I moved my racket in and tried to just make contact with the ball. But as it kept cutting, I moved my racket farther and farther in. And I swung in this sort of way you would um you would bowl it was like a like a bowling motion and I, the, I snapped the racket up and tried to make contact with the ball and i hit my fucking nose with the tennis racket i literally almost knocked myself out and um i played it off jameson laughed of course he's like ah you fucking idiot totally i get it i'm an idiot i played it off and then like 10 minutes later when we went to change sides and people got close to me they saw that my nose i had a little bit of blood running down it and i really gashed my nose so i still have this cut across the bridge. And I, you know, if you've seen me before, my nose is not uh, petite, if you will. Uh, I got a beak. I've got the dorsal fin. Uh, but uh, proud of it. No worries. I used to complain about my ears being too big. And my buddy was like, your ears? What about your nose? And I was like, oh, didn't know that was a problem. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, so I, so I had a cut on my nose. And, you know, whatever. I put some ointment on it. No big deal. But I had shows two days later, starting on Friday. So 4th of July was Wednesday. So so two days go by, and um, I'm not able to, uh, you know, my nose is still, it's more of a bludgeon than a cut. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a laceration. It was like I hit it with a blunt racket so hard that it bled, but also dented inward. Um at, at about the thickness of a, um, you know, a, ca- a soda bu- uh, can cap, uh, whatever that's called, tab. Anyhow, I didn't want to get sun on it because what I've learned is you, you don't want to get sun on an open wound and or a scar, you know what I mean? So I, uh, I found a hat that turned out to be my mom's gardening hat. It was, uh, it was a... Um, what would you call it? It was just like, it wasn't a fedora, but it had a, 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 a wider brim. It looked like what you would expect uh, Martha Stewart to wear if she was, you know, you know, plucking, uh, you know, flowers or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'll put this on. No big deal. So I went to the beach with this gardening hat on. And then, you know what? I was like, I don't look too bad. But then on the way to my show, I was like, okay, I can't do stand up with this, like, you know, red cut dented onto my nose. So as you do, I went to uh, CVS to pick up some, um, you know, concealer or whatever you call it. And I've learned from my theater art roommates uh, that it's okay for men to wear a little makeup here and there. Now, yeah, I didn't know which concealer to get. They're all $10, which is, you know, $10 might not sound like a lot to uh, to the experienced makeup buyers out there. But to someone who doesn't really know what they want, eh, 10 bucks is a lot of money. I've gotten this little concealer kit before, but I like the ones that they kind of you kind of crank them. You crank a couple of clicks and a little bit of makeup comes out and you dab it on your nose or whatever if you have a blemish. Like that's what I was looking for. But this one had like a wand that, you know, you dabble and it's like, what's in then am I am I a light skin color? Am I medium light? Am I pale? Am I dark? I don't think I'm a dark, but then I gotta my nose kinda gets that extra sun because it sticks out a little bit when I'm not wearing this gardening hat. So I'm looking back and forth. And not to mention the the car I'm driving doesn't have a um it doesn't lock for whatever reason. I get this shitty car that no one wants anymore. I get to drive it for the week. It doesn't lock. So I'm carrying a backpack around CVS just because I didn't want my new camera to get stolen. So it looks like I'm casing the joint. And then these chi- and like I'm and like I'm squatting over looking at different 
uh, and I'm wearing a tank top, uh, giving you guys the full visual. I'm squatting over in CVS looking at Maybelline. I'm like, maybe it's Maybelline, right? Like, I'm just trying to like, I'm like, oh, that, oh Maybelline sounds good. And then there's a cover, the cover girl, the cover girl, and which, which I'm like, okay, now I understand why people don't like the gender things because I'm like, well, can I buy cover girl? Like, I'm a guy. Can I, is there a cover bro? Uh, we can can we bro cover here? I think bros deserve the chance to cover up a blemish once in a while, right, bros? Anyway, I'm giving you gentlemen a promo code. I'm sponsored by Maybelline now. Now, how funny would that be? How funny would it be if I became Maybelline's first male? Like, you know what? We get zits too, you asshole, and we want to cover them up. Maybe they've had males before, and maybe they don't want a podcaster. They're like, why did you have a visual makeup guy? Um, anyway, uh, so. The, so a couple of girls walk by and I was just like, man, like, what do I look like to them? And again, I'm in Rhode Island. It's, if it was, if I was in New York, no one would bat an eye. But in Rhode Island, it's like, what's a guy doing with a woman's gardening hat buying cover up? I don't know. So I bought this stupid cover up and I painted it on my nose like it was Halloween. And I felt sexy. I felt good. Because, you know, it's helping it dry out. And anyway, I don't need to explain things to you. So that's my 4th of July story. The show's... Um, the show, first of all, the shows. I've been, I've been um, on the East Coast for the last two weeks now. The New York shows went so well. Oh my gosh, is faith restored in humanity? How do I, how do I relate this? This is like, this is like, okay, this is like living in LA is like if you're a good singer, but you, but all of LA is deaf, so you don't have any reaction. And, and no offense to deaf people, but I think that's a good analogy. So it's like you could be a good singer and people wouldn't know if you're good or not. L.A. is because L.A. is just full of other comedians and, and a lot of narcissistic, self-centered people that like even everyone in the audience is just worried about, you know, if they're going to sell their screenplay and, 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 and they're not being like present and just listening to comedy. Uh, again, this is just, you know, the majority of people in L.A. So we do still have good stand-up shows in LA, but in this case, it a lot of times you don't know if material's good or not. And I've been working out all these new jokes about homophobia and um, and and a lot of like cool you know topics that I, that I think I you know are worth addressing. And um, you know uh, being you know that that coveted term I talk about straight white male and how everyone's calling ever accusing people of not understanding anything and privilege and all these hot topic terms and virtue sing- signaling. <laughs> So, uh, and again, and, and, and someone who's like far left might go, Dave, what the fuck are you going to talk to us about privilege? And it's like, well, that's it. I think I have a right at the table here. Um, as a straight white male, <laughs> I have the right to talk about, because I understand what it's like to, to you try to buy makeup and they don't make it for your gender. <laughs> like, I get it. I understand what it's like to want to wear a gardening hat, but people look at you like, who's this strong lesbian? Like, I understand, um, no, they probably looked at me like I was an out of shape lesbian. Uh, moving along, folks. So those shows, <clears throat> excuse me, those New York shows, they hit off so well. So big thanks to Gabby Bryan for booking me on her Brooklyn show. She was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Gabby is like an instant friend. You know what I mean? We met, and I'm like, dude, this girl gets it. We're cool. And then, did I talk about this last episode? <clears throat> excuse me. I think I might have mentioned this last episode, so I'm sorry for being redundant. But um, I, you know, I, I did Gabby's show in Brooklyn, and then and then we took a photo, and she put her hands on my shoulder, and I was like, ah, you not not because there's anything wrong with that, but just because I understand that if Tasha 
you know, is in LA and like the dog just peed in the kitchen and she's cleaning some shit up. And then she goes on Instagram and sees a photo with Gabby who she likes, you know what I mean? But like with her hand on my shoulder, it's like, she'd be like, fuck you, Dave. And so in order to, um, sort of communicate and not have that be an issue, I texted Tosh and I was like, look, I took a photo. Gabby put her hand on my shoulder. We're not gay. We're fine. Right. Whatever. And of course, Tosh was like, oh, it's totally fine. And it's one of those things. It's totally fine because I took the time to be conscientious and address it with Tasha. And those are, those are issues that probably aren't common with normal people. Like I'm sure most normal people don't do stand up and podcast and have this kind of like life that I wouldn't call it public, but is enough in each other's face that, you know what I mean? If Tasha posted a photo with some shirtless fucking dude on the beach and he's got his arm around her, it's like, I would, I would be so cool with it if she just gave me the heads up, you know what I mean? But not having that heads up, uh, just put it this way. Relationships are not a game that you want to have fill in the blanks. You don't want fill in the blanks in relationships. You want to lay it out as much out there as possible to avoid, um, you know, miscommunicate because all the fights are miscommunicate. What were you doing out so late? Why didn't you reach, you know, where you could have been like my car broke down, whatever, or I was playing poker and the game went long, but uh, my buddy was going through a divorce and I wanted to talk to him. If you made that phone call earlier, your girlfriend will, will instantly be like, okay, well, get home safe, like blah, blah, blah. But if you leave it up to interpretation, she's going to be like, hey, fuck you. Show me some respect. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. This whole life, right? It's just about trying to find our way. So I got these shows in Rhode Island, right? Comedy Connection. It's the only uh, stand-up club in Rhode Island. It's a, uh, it's, um, it's, it's in an old bank. So the green room is in the vault, which is really cool, except the green room you know, obviously isn't air-conditioned because it's an old fucking vault. It's got 12 inches of steel around it. Speaking of 12 inches of steel, uh, divide that by two. I'm white. Um... Yeah, it was a great show, but the first, so I was, do, I was doing a feature set, which is a little bit longer than I'm used to doing in LA. So I was coming off some hot shows in New York. I was feeling good. I was, you know, feeling right. And, um, I had to do 25 minutes and let me tell you something, 25 minutes, uh, time is so it's fleeting, but it's so relative, right? You know, you watch, uh, you, you watch a good, a good movie with somebody two hours flies by. But you watch Lord of the Rings when you're not really into it, three hours goes by very slow, right? Like like a 12-minute test could feel like ages and, uh, you know, an hour blowjob could... Uh, anyway, that would be nice. But the point is, is that, you know, if the set's not going well, 25 minutes is a long fucking time. And Friday night, my first show, I don't think I attacked... I don't think I had a good strategy on stage and it left me, you know wake you know waking up it's the same feeling of rejection where you're like oh this i don't i wouldn't say i bombed but it didn't i don't think i represented what it is i do on stage and i think with dating it's sort of similar like if if sometimes you'll you'll come in hot and meet somebody and come off like a huge douchebag but maybe maybe it's just because you had a sugar-free red bull and you were a little amped and they were like whoa who's this fucking asshole you know what i mean and i'm, I'm not saying don't be yourself i'm just saying first impressions are important and i think i came into my stand-up show on the slightly on the douchey side and that's why when i when i do stand-up i actually tell the host don't introduce me as somebody who lives in la because i don't want them to paint a picture that like i'm some fucking bro who's just surfing all day which and if i was that would be fine but like i'm one of them i'm from rhode island this is my hometown don't paint me as some like fucking yoga granola crunchy even if i am don't paint me as some podcaster who wears a 
cover girl um, and women's guarding hats, uh, even if that's what, because it's all about perspective and you want, you want your jokes to land and, and to be treated for who you are. And the same thing with, um, with dating. A lot of times guys are afraid of pursuing women and most rejections are not women rejecting who you are. They're just rejecting whatever image you're putting out there. So sometimes guys will do a stupid pickup line or they'll be super nervous. And if you're super nervous, you're probably not always super nervous. You're just nervous in that moment. But the women, doesn't, they don't know that. They just see some nervous Nancy with clammy hands trying to ramble on. And they go, oh, geez, I don't want to get stuck in this. The key to meeting women, and maybe this goes both ways. Ladies, let me know if it's the key to meeting men. Uh, I think the key to meeting men is just saying, hi, my name's Katie. And the guy will be like, fucking right. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, But the key to meeting women is don't let them think that they're about to get stuck in a long conversation. Be cool, but be one foot in, one foot out. Talk about what's going on. Jesus Christ, if I was single right now, you would just talk about the... um, you know the the soccer team stuck in the cave. Uh, again, if if you're if you're finding this podcast uh, years down the line, this is 2018, and we're talking about the time. The uh, luckily eight of the uh, as 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 the rec- at the recording of this episode, eight of the um, uh, teen uh, members of the soccer team. Maybe they're not all teen. I think they're ages 10, 12 to fifteen. Either way, eight of the boys have uh, been um, saved, rescued, and there's only a few more. And um, and uh, hopefully that all ends well. But uh, yeah, what's the fucking point of that conversation? I don't, but I'm just saying, talk about something that's relevant to today. And a lot of times that's the weather. Oh my gosh, it's hot as shit out here. How do you do it? How do you wear such a beautiful outfit? You go up to some lady and go, geez, you look great in that outfit, but how do you survive on the streets? And what you've just, you know what I mean? How do you survive on the streets? It's so hot outside. Are you sweating to death out there? I mean, geez, you look great, but holy shit, if I were you, I'd have, you know, and then, so you're complimenting them by telling them they look beautiful, but you're also being relevant in the in whatever's going on in the world. Common denominator. Find a common denominator out there. It doesn't have to be a cheesy pickup line, you know? Oh my gosh, did you see that movie? Oh boy, tell me you like Fool's Gold. If you don't like Fool's Gold, I don't think we can talk anymore. And she might go, I've never seen it, but... I see that you're really passionate about it, so why don't you tell me about it? And you go, oh, I'll tell you about it. Matthew McConaughey's finest work. Why there isn't an Oscar nomination for rom-coms is beyond me. Which, by the way, why isn't there an Oscar nomination for rom-coms? What are we doing? Rom-coms don't fit into you know your typical period piece, best picture, whatever. But there should be something said for Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson getting together. How to lose a guy in 10 days. I'll just talk about different Matthew McConaughey movies. No problem at all. But... I should go out with you guys and talk to women. This is it. Find something you're passionate about, even if it's as a joke. You know what I mean? You might be big like, hey, look, I know we're in New York, but I'm a Patriots fan, and I thought I should tell you that. It's like, you know how like when you have a disease, you got to be up front? Well, I'm letting you know I'm big into Tom Brady, and if you don't like him, this just isn't going to work out. And the girl might go, you're a fucking douchebag. Leave me alone. Or she might go, ha, this guy's funny. He's talking, you know, joking around about long-term relationships and we just met and he's got confidence. And uh, you know what? I don't like Tom Brady. Oh, well, okay. Well, look, I'll do a deal with you, Becky. All right. You like the Jets? You're a Jets fan. I'll do a deal with you. If the Patriots beat the Jets this year, then we get to name our kid after a Patriots player. If the Jets win, we can name them after, a, you know, and you do something stupid like that. And then you're talking about your future family. It's so stupid. Right, ladies? Wouldn't this work? Are we all getting turned on just talking about it. Write in sexactuallypodcast.gmail.com and let me know. Am I on to something? Am I rusty? I've been in a relationship for a long time, so I don't know if I'm still, uh, I don't know if my, 
I don't know if my uh, advice is evergreen, if you will. Anyway, so the shows were amazing. The fir- that Friday sh- show didn't go well, and I said, you know what? And then Tasha got Tasha got in Saturday morning, so I had the Friday night show. I had the I had the 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 late show, so I was doing a bunch of time, and then I didn't get to bed till like two a.m. because you just can't sleep after a show, good or bad. Good show, you're you're riding a high. Bad show, you're like, what the fuck? And you know, it's like, geez, I just had four or five, five great shows in New York. And here I am, like, I have one show that doesn't go as planned. And I'm like, what am I doing? Because, of course, the headliner kills. And I'm like, oh, it was me. They hated me. It's a very vulnerable place. It'd be like getting rejected in a bar, but everybody's seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, they all knew. And, and, and then I had friends came. And they, they were like, oh, good, man. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, oh, good job. But I could tell they weren't like, Dave, wow, you were on. You know what I mean? We, we know the difference. Um, so then Saturday morning rolled around, and I picked Tasha up. And we went 12 fucking days without seeing each other 12 days it's a long time you know the dog's been a little antsy he's been missing me he's been you know he's had a few accidents inside she's had to clean up after him she's had those moments that in the past have caused big fights where there's sort of um an imbalance of who's doing chores and i'm in new york kind of floating around and she's out there working still and um instead of it uh instead of the low-hanging fruit being the two of us fighting um, we were able to communicate, uh, uh, do quality time with FaceTime, and for the most part, not have any of uh, this quote-unquote lime rage between us. And in that uh, that 8 a.m. terminal, I pulled up, and she walked up to me, and I gave her a big old kiss, rom-com style. And we had a great time, and we spent the last couple of days together, and now, like I said, she's flying to D.C. to go meet with a doctor and hopefully, you know, keep going with her Lyme disease treatment. Uh, so the, the moral of that story is, is like, get your shit in order. Just, um, you know, it's not always plowing forward with success. We're just trying to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. I told her I was a little upset about how my shows went and I kind of like, you know, my gears were spinning all day long about like what I could do to change my strategy. And it's, again, these aren't big things to do, but I was like, you just need to go in there, hang in the pocket and and come off a little bit more likable. Sometimes you go on stage and you go, fuck man. And you get a little too intense. And like the audience, they don't need that. They need a guy to laugh with. My type of humor isn't the type that's like, let me tell you how it is. And the podcast is kind of that way, but I also have fun with this. But my type of humor, it's like, let's not, let's, let, let me make fun of myself. I'll tell you the jokes about myself. You just laugh along with me. And Saturday night show came around and Tasha was there. And I was like, oh, last night did not go as planned, blah, blah, blah. And then the Saturday night show hit and everything went well. It was amazing. She was like, oh my gosh, babe. And then after the show, um, she didn't compliment me right away. And again, I'm not being nitpicky. So I was like, ah, oh, did she like it? You know, like, I think the audience liked it, but you know, we're always in the moment. You don't always, you're not, I'm not listening. Like I'm, I'm actively performing. So I don't know exactly. I'm like, I think it's going well, you know, by thinking it's going well, it's probably going really well. Cause you can tell, you know, right away when it's not going well. So I was like, I think it's going well. And then I don't know. So I was just, uh, we were driving home and she goes, babe, you fucking killed it tonight. And I was like, Thank you so much. Like you, you know, you guys know, listeners, that we've struggled with providing each other with the appropriate love languages. And I don't need, um, in that instance, I don't need physical touch or acts of service or gifts. I just need, you know, to be told, like, babe, you did great. And then she went, and then she went on. And then when we got home to my parents the next morning, they're like, "Hey, how did how did how did it go?" And before I could even, you know, play it off, like, "Oh, it was all right," she goes, "Dave killed it. He was great." And again. I don't think she was um, 
blowing smoke up my ass. I think she believes it. And that meant a lot to me. So I know Tasha's not listening because she doesn't listen to this. But Tasha, thank you. I I, I have full gratitude for you uh, respecting and starting to understand that I love affirmations. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy for, for people to understand a love language that doesn't come natural to them. Um, and I can attest to that too. I have to actively be like, all right, well, I think Tasha and I are fine, but I should probably give her a call. And I'm not saying I call around the hour, but I'm like, okay, I, you know, and then I call and she goes, babe, I can't talk, but I love you. And you go, I love you too. And then that fills the well because she knows that I was there for her. That's what it's all about being there for each other. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, those shows went great and it was just a blast. Um, I addressed the last episode. Um, and again, I'm not apologizing for last episode. You know, it just went, it just went how it went. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I didn't ramble on when I was talking to her, but you know, you know what I mean? Like I just, you can look, you can tell when you're looking at someone's eyes when you go, Oh, I don't think this is going to be as conversational as I hoped. And I'm probably at fault for not, I don't know, trying to have coffee before the podcast and get to know each other. I just don't like missed opportunities where you get to know each other off air. I like for everyone to find out what I'm finding out. And there's certain people like Jade, you know, um, uh, Kata Preta, who I had on the episode, uh, who we spoke with a few weeks ago, who's like super, she's a stand-up comedian. She's used to just like instantaneously connecting and doing podcasting. And maybe my author wasn't, and maybe I was just a weirdo. But um, if you're listening, I don't blame you. I think the podcast was fine, but apparently some people thought I sucked. <laughs> totally fine, my listeners. That sounded very egocentric, calling you guys my listeners. Totally fine people that I've convinced to listen to this podcast hey big thanks to jay sylvia for coming out to the shows miko josh white uh dude when i have buddies come to shows i mean i truly truly appreciate that i um i had friends in new york that came out to shows and they, they told me afterwards they're like dude it's like you're the only whenever you come to town it's the only time we all hang and it's like yeah um i've been so lucky to sort of position myself in a career Again, there the pay isn't there until it's there. You know what I mean? I feel like your checks are your are very low till they're fucking very high. It's one of those like you don't make money till you're the CEO type of gigs. But and again, that might be a limitation. I I should stop saying we should all be, um, uh, you know, paying money for for uh, art and and that sounds so douchey to say. But you know what I mean. We should uh, but but again, with stand up, you do some shows for free. A lot of shows for free. You just try to um get better at it what you do so that when you do have paid shows you rock it and uh and all that jazz but i do appreciate my friends coming to see me and i look forward to nothing more than in the future when i've got shows that you know you got the green room to yourself you got the rider with all the booze and the cold cut sandwiches and the pizza and you can be like you can have all your friends come to the show hang out i mean it really is a, like a, all i want to do all I want to do is love you, Sugarland. All I want to do uh, is create a world where I can bring friends together because I love being social and seeing my friends. And how about a gig where you get to tour, make people laugh, and relate to others? I mean, she's a, you know... I want to get to that level where I can rent a boat. <laughs> like that's I'm not there yet. I'm in a you know 10-foot-long Airstream RV. But anyway... Let's barrel through this. Uh, yeah, man. Bought my, I brought my brother Jack. He's 15. I bought him some wireless headphones because I want him to start listening to some podcasts um, just because I want him to uh, start getting a little bit more of that enlightenment that I don't think he might get um, from his friends. Uh, 
You know, I want him to start listening to some podcasts that are challenging people to do a little more. And a guy that I got that I found who is a um, a a rock star in the uh, in the um, in the world of enlightenment in the in the world of um, uh, college professors and the uh, battling against the far left. And he's a guy who's who's um, I think traditionally a liberal, but people are painting uh, as an enemy because he's a uh, he's a little bit. Um, against equality of outcome and things like that um jordan peterson so i know a lot of people some people might disagree with what he says but he wrote a book called 12 rules for life excuse me my throat is killing me (coughs) that sound good to you guys he wrote a book called 12 rules for life and he um uh, he's controversial in some ways, but in, 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 in the ways in which he wrote these simple rules, I don't think it's controversial at all. These are the type of rules I want my brothers to have. I worry about them because I'm in control of my own enlightenment, like my own path. And I think starting in high school, I started journaling and I started really working on my gratitude. That's when I got into the law of attraction for the first time and really appreciating those things that I love. Rather than criticizing the things we hate, why don't we just breathe into the things that we love? I could criticize all the ways that Tasha nitpicks me. Oh, she does this. She does that. She never thinks I'm good enough. How about I just appreciate the fact that she has started to compliment me after stand-up sets? You know what I mean? Let's appreciate those that we love and and not dwell on what they lack. Because as we expand all that we love, the things that lack, are they're, they're like, you know, being pushed out. Uh, 12 rules for life. Let's read them real quick. Um, again, these might not all make sense without explanation, but rule number one, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Um... I'm not crying. I'm just really congested. My uncle Chris uh, came to town, and Tasha got to meet him this week for the first time. He uh, he's a self-made millionaire. He builds marinas. Um, he builds docks and and um, slips and things like that for big yachts. He uh, he doesn't even know if he graduated high school. He just uh, he knew what he wanted and he went for it. And he was one of the guys that was a a big influence to me when. I was growing up when I didn't have a dad before my stepdad was around and I didn't have a dad. I didn't really know simple rules. And I remember the exact moment, I was probably eight years old, when he pulled me aside and he taught me how to shake a guy's hand and look eye to eye. And he had these beady blue eyes and he didn't blink. He just stared. He was staring at me and he's a menacing man, big guy, big hands, tall. And I'm this little twerp. And he goes, you shake, this is how you shake a hand. And he goes, you hold it firm, not you don't squeeze too hard, but you don't, you know, you just, you, you, you're, you're, you're sturdy, you're there, and you look at each other's eyes, and that's how you connect. And this man taught me that, and that's that's the same as Jordan Peterson's rule number one: stand up straight with your shoulders back. And that's for everybody. That doesn't have to be some bravado, like you're moving, you're puffing your chest in and out, like look at me, motherfucker. That's just like, hey, I'm here. I'm not coiling in you know what happens when we get older we kind of like coil into a ball it's like you're born in a ball you learn to like stretch out and become a human and then you sort of cripple into your death and it's all about feeling like you're alive and worthwhile and when you walk into a room feeling that way whether it be a job interview or whether it be um barney's beanery at happy hour and there's a couple cute girls ordering margaritas and doing pickleback shots and they go oh who's this guy with his chest out Standing up straight with his shoulders back. Oh, he's doing rule number one from Jordan Peterson's 12 Worlds for Life. And by the way, I'm not promoting his book. It's like the biggest bestseller in the world right now. Um, but that's, okay, that's rule number one. 
So you get that? Rule number one, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Number two, treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. That's a tough one for codependents. Treat yourself like you're someone who are who's responsible. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. That's like when you're in an airplane and they say, you know, when the masks come down, you need to put the mask over yourself first. You can't help somebody else out if you're passed out. You can't be in the woods lost trying to point someone else in the right direction. So I think that's a pretty clear one. Like, let's help ourselves. That's the number one way to get better and be able to help others. And I mean that too. Like, this podcast is for me first. And maybe there's a little runoff for you. Number three, befriend people who want the best for you. Uh, again, no brainer. You know, uh, if there's, there's my, 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 uh, my cousin Celeste is uh, moving away from Florida to New York. And um, I was like, are you going to miss all your friends? And she was like, you know what? No, be- and she, I mean, again, I'm not speaking for all of her friends, but she was like, you know, like a lot of them, you know, were just girls I would party with. You know what I mean? They were, I, I got to reset the camera. Hold on one second. I'm resetting the camera. It turned off. Charged the battery. Oh, it says charge the battery. Did the battery die? Fuck it. Whatever. That's all they got. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not a, she was like, you know, like they're girls that I would party with. I'd be on the boat with. And, you know, they're not the type of girls that if you need, if you need them for something, they're there. They're there for like, they're, they're in the stage of their life where they're, they're just there to hang it on a pontine boat. So she's like, I'm not going to miss them. So she's actually taking the advice, befriend people who want the best for you. And it's not that they're bad people, but they're just people that are out for themselves, which is important, but also have a support system there that's rooting you on. My friends who came to my stand-up show, they're, they want the best for me. There's no jealousy there. There's no like, oh, I don't want Dave to get too successful. They want the best for me. And that's a beautiful thing. Four, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's important. That is the hardest thing. I think that's the hardest of the rules to follow for me because I constantly compare myself to somebody else. They might be, uh, they might be, who knows where they are in their life. But you see an Instagram post that they're on a stage that I want to be on, and I'm like, motherfucker, or they're buying a house and I'm not. And as a motherfucker, who am I today versus who I was yesterday? Now, a week ago, I didn't have a bloody nose. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? A week ago, I was, uh, you know, not being shamed by my younger brother on the tennis courts. But the honest truth is, am I better today than I was yesterday? Am I better today than I was a year ago? I truly believe so. And I need to keep on working on myself inch by inch, day by day. And then, and then I'll be a, a version of myself that I never thought I could have achieved. And I, ask, I wish that upon you guys, that we can become versions of ourselves that are so far ahead of who we thought we could be because we're not just comparing ourselves to guys who, you know, to Matt Damon who wrote, you know, Goodwill Hunting and won an Oscar. Oh, how will I ever win an Oscar? Write the fucking outline today, you jackass. Don't worry about the Oscar. Formulate the plan. Tweet out, you know, your title idea for your next screenplay. What, I'm, I'm talking to you on a creative level. Do something today, even if it sounds so minimal, that will set you up for tomorrow. Number five, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Oh, uh, boy. That's, and that's one where I don't have kids, so I don't, I don't even want to address that one. But having seen my sister and her, um, her children, it's like, yeah, I get it. You don't want to. Why would you want to like, have shitty kids? You know? Six, set your house in order before you criticize the world. That's important. It's important. Make your own bed. Set your house in order. Clean out your closet. Get that bookshelf looking tidy. Why make? Why, why are we even talking about uh, other issues? Now, of course, we can all comment on you know the the, the different crises, crises 
crisis crises in the world just lost half the listeners you know what i mean like we can comment on all that but also let's not get truly critical of others while you know that's the whole don't throw stones at people who have better wi-fi than you or however it goes um number seven pursue what is meaningful not what is expedient you know, I asked my brother Jameson, he'll be a senior in college, and I asked him this question the other day. And I've been kind of riding him. I've been a little tough on him, um, and I, I, I hope he knows that I'm proud of him, and, and I'll have to make sure to tell him that today. I have to remind myself to not just be critical. Of course, these are tough rules to follow. We assume the other person knows, especially family, we assume that they know that we're proud of them, but it's important that we remind them that first and foremost, and I'm proud of my brother. He'll be a senior in college and he's working at my stepdad's heating and air conditioning company. And, um, which is a great company, heating and air conditioning, you know, they're, they're super busy, but there's different levels you can work at. You can be a helper your whole life, or you can, you know, get your uh, refrigeration license, or you could get your, your, you know, your pipe fitters license. There's, there's, there's different levels at which you can achieve based on your training level, just like obviously in college in different ways, but it's a skill. And, and I asked him, I was like, Jameson, what do you what do you want to do when you graduate? And he goes, Well, I think I'll I think I'll just keep working at the shop. And he goes, That's because he, he goes, That's the that's the sensible thing to do. And I and I go, I go, Well, I didn't ask you what the sensible thing to do was. I asked you what you want to do. And the point wasn't that he's better than the shop. The point was you might want to work at the shop, but tell me that. Tell me that what you want to do. And we and then we started talking about some renewable energies and maybe um, doing HVAC, but also equipping some homes with solar. And you know, we and then we got excited and talked about things. And I go, this, this is what we need to work on. If this is what if if this is what you want to work on, you know, because I don't want you to get to a place where you're resentful because you took a job that you weren't fully into. I'm in a world where stand up and everything. I mean, I, I'm full in. I'm full in on the world that I want. So there's no resentment in the sense of like being forced to do a job I don't want. I got rid of that a long time ago. So I challenge you people out there. Are you doing what you want to do? Are you living the authentic world you want to live? And if you're not, what's stopping you? You might have kids. You might like that steady paycheck, but what's stopping you from putting an extra couple hours in a week pursuing whatever it is you want? And maybe that's just to, you know what I mean, restore an old motorcycle. What is it? What do you need to restore the sense of self within you? So we're not just stripped down to the guy who's paying us, but it's, it's what we're worth. And we forget that, especially in the U.S. I know we have a lot of international listeners. And I don't know how it is over there, but over here, it's what do you do? It's not who you are, it's what do you do? And it shouldn't be that. It should be who we are. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. That's number eight. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie, especially to yourself. We all know when we're lying to ourselves. Number nine, assume whoever you're listening to knows something you don't. That's a tough one, especially for my generation. Young people assume they know more because we're a little more tech-savvy than the older people. But I think we all need to remember that you can't buy life experience. Ten, be precise in your speech. Uh, That's a tough one for me because I ramble all the time. Being precise in your speech is tough when you're trying to fill an hour of (laughs) airtime. I like that one. Be precise in your speech. I had to learn that lesson this weekend with stand-up. Like I said, my Saturday night show, my speech was a little bit more um, uh, 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 authoritative. It, while, like I, while I was having fun on stage, I, I let them know that I was going to have fun with or without their permission. And there was a level of detachment that came with that, which I think let the audience go along for the ride. Be precise in your speech. Number 11, do not bother children while they're skateboarding. That's fun. 
And I'm sure if I, I'm sure in reading the book, you'll find out a little bit more what he means. But I think just off of that, do not bother children while they're skateboarding. Let let people, children and whoever, let people be in that zone that is purity. In that zone that is whether it's creative energy or a good conversation, let them be uh, in that moment. And again, when we talk about about time being relative, when you're in that moment of bliss, creativity. Uh, happiness, time truly does fly by. And that's when you know you're doing the right thing. Number 12, pet a cat when you encounter one in the street. Number 12, pet a cat when you counter one in the street. Um, and again, I could be wrong with this. I believe, I, I interpret that as um, the old the old idea that, um, you know, being just being gentle and nice to strangers, you might see that they're not who you thought they were they might be kind folks. And sometimes you might think that somebody, whether it's um, someone in line at Starbucks or someone who might cut you off, you might think that they're just an asshole. But if we have a little bit of compassion in life, we might find out that they're you know just as pretty dope as us. I'm super guilty of meeting people and just kind of blowing off, <laughs> blowing them off and being like, oh, this person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about or blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the more I get to know, the more you get to know someone, you do see that we're all fucking, we're all just made from the same shit, right? I think we all want happiness. Anyway, those are the 12 rules for life. How about we read a question and get out of here? I, I'll take this to, to an hour. I got to get out of here. I got to go back to Boston tonight. Tasha literally is going to fly back from D.C., and then we're going to stay in a hotel in Boston tonight. I got a show. If anyone's listening to this, this, this episode's going to post probably like 2 p.m. East Coast time on um, July 9th, 2018. If you are listening to this in Boston as I post it, I'm, a, I'm on a show at McGreary's Pub on Boylston Street um, doing a last-minute show there. And then uh, we're flying back to Los Angeles in the morning uh, again. And I'll take this moment to tell you all I appreciate you guys so much some people write in a lot of I've read some of the reviews on iTunes they love the solo episodes and some people might love the interview ones more you know like like, like I am with podcasts I listen to they're not all hits they're not all for me it's kind of like you know did we connect in this conversation or not and again me talking alone in a microphone might not feel like connecting to you but I do appreciate the emails that I get from people when I do a private one uh, one on one or it's not one on one it's a one on none episode I do think I'm able to connect a little bit more with the listener as I'm talking to no one but you and I hope that everyone's killing it this summer. What I do ask is I, I made the choice in 2018 to stop treating the podcast like a hobby and treating it um, like, like a career, even though it's not the one I'm, you know, I would much prefer obviously that my stand up be the, the source of income. But, uh, you know, in order to fill seats, sometimes we need to develop an army and this is the army, you know, we're, we're floating around a couple thousand listeners. Um, the, the trick to getting up to making that 100000 you know, w- would be some publicity, some algorithm changes. It's, it's a bunch of little things. And, um, and again, all I'm trying to do with this podcast is follow one of these rules of Jordan Peterson is just be, be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday and have this podcast be a better version today than it was yesterday. So if you guys know anybody who has a big following or wants to share the podcast or advertise on the podcast anything like that. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm all ears and a bloody nose. So I'm here to listen to you guys. I cannot lie to you. I am so humbled by the people that write in 
and say, I mean, there is so much love out there. I know I kind of ask for it by telling you I love the affirmations, but but by all means, I appreciate and with full gratitude, I appreciate you all listening. And I know you guys do share with your friends. We got a, uh, I got an Instagram note today from, um, I think it was a listener in England, and she was like, I'm forced to listen to music because this app hasn't uploaded their podcast yet today on my way to work. And I fucking love that. So this is for you. Is that Luis? Is that who wrote in? I'm not going to pull it up. But I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I love the social media shout outs. I love, you know, I love the folks that decide to share us on your Instagram stories. That might be the best way to share us right now. I feel like Instagram kind of hits our core market. You know what I mean? You can post uh, something on your story. You can put our link to iTunes in your bio, whatever it is you guys want to do. Tag a friend in our photos. We appreciate you getting your friends on board. It might sound like you don't have the chance to make a dent in the following. But honestly, with stand-up, if like say 12 listeners right now, we're like, dude, we're in Detroit. We want to see you at the Comedy Castle or whatever it's called. Honestly, that's enough to get me booked. You know that? Like, as a, especially as a feature, as a guy, like I don't need to f- sell, you know, 500 seats to a show. Just having a little bit of heat gets me to fly in and do a show, do a live podcast, things like that. Um, so totally, by all means, I appreciate your support and I appreciate your loyalty. Let me know what's working for you and what's not. I do appreciate when you write in and tell me that I had a shit episode. I do. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't. I know I joke around and say, oh, I love compliments, but I, I can you know, I can take some criticism, especially if you load it up with, hey, I'm a fan. I love you. But this one rubbed me the wrong way. I can take that. So tell me what you think of the solo ones. What can, what can use improvement? Do you like that I have a little bit of a structure that I'm reading off random... Um, self-help book ideas. I mean, I like to just have something to ramble on. I actually took some notes and um, I I had all these questions I was going to answer, but I just don't have time to get to any of them. Um, ah, geez, like foreign uh, PSA. Uh, Yeah, there's um, none of these questions are worth getting. I'll I'll read, I'll read one. Let's read one and then I'll get out of here. And again, I appreciate you all listening. Um, I appreciate the reviews you're leaving. If you do have an iPhone, um, They've made it so easy now on the Apple Podcast app to share, um, to write a review. And if you do use Twitter, um, by all means, um, shoot an, a mess, shoot a tweet to um, at Apple Podcasts. Um, I think it's called at Apple Podcasts, and uh, link to the i um, to this app and tell them uh, you want us to get featured. That will be the number one way we make it to the next level is getting featured. We'll go from we'll go from a couple thousand listeners to ten thousand like that. It'll literally increase our business by five hundred percent just by having them believe in us. That's why we've updated the artwork, the intro music. I don't think um, I don't think I care too much in changing the way we do things here. I think the vo- I think my voice will gradually improve as far as not now. I sound like I have a head cold. And and again. I have no problem sharing this like insider talk with you guys. Like, yeah, we're here to talk about relationships and stuff, but I also want to share my journey with you folks um, because it's not, I'm not in a place where I'm trying to be behind, um, you know, a curtain and be the wizard of Oz. I'm just a dope like you guys, by the way, I, oh my gosh, I cannot stop crying listening to this song by Sugarland. Um, Oh, well, how the fuck does this song go? We went to the Sugarland concert. I've known this song, but it's like, she goes, Dear Mom and Dad, please send money. I'm dead broke and it ain't funny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my voice is horrible. I wish I could blame it on the cold. And then at the end of the song, she, and then and it transforms. And by the end of the song, she's like, Dear Mom and Dad, um, 
I'm so rich, it ain't funny. I'll send, you know, whatever the fuck it goes. I'm staying at the Ritz tonight. That type of thing. And it's, it's this song. I am butchering it. I'll post a link in the, I'll post a YouTube link to the song because if I post it now, um, I'll have a licensing a violation. Uh, but the, the idea that I'm so broke that it ain't funny. I'm playing a bar tonight. And then by the end of the song, I'm so rich, it ain't funny. I'm staying at the Ritz tonight. Goosebumps, folks. Goosebumps. In the rich that she describes, Jennifer Nettles, the rich that she describes, singer of Sugarland, uh, her and the dude that I don't remember his name, Bush or whatever, that rich isn't her bank account. It is the fulfillment of her creative energy and the respect by a collective audience, the hard work, you know, just like Chris Stapleton talks about being a bus driver. And, and putting in the hours and the blood and the sweat and the tears and then achieving a goal and then being on stage, the goosebumps I feel when I'm able to hear her sing that song in a packed audience, knowing that she's full on made it. And again, is that ego or is that seeing the tangible result of somebody's hard work being better today than they were yesterday? That's all I need. And again, I don't need to play sold-out arenas. I can feel that love on the day-to-day. I can play some of these dive bar shows and know that while it sucks to have someone in the audience yelling, next, when you're trying to work out a joke, that those little moments and those steps forward lead to a greater appreciation and a greater an ability to share um, in the abundance that's that, that comes from creativity. You know? The J.K. Rawlings of the world, living homeless. Next thing you know, they, they've got Harry Potter uh, theme parks popping around the world. Why? Because she didn't compare herself to somebody else. And maybe she did, and maybe that maybe she did a little bit, but it forced her to, to look within and pull out her own creativity. You know, I still never saw the movies. It's Tasha's job to rent them. She rents the movies. I'll watch them. I told her that. I don't know if am I a Ravenclaw? I don't even know what that shit means. Um, you guys have been fantastic. This has been my RV episode. I'll post a selfie to the SAP page. Um, search the SAP on Instagram, Sex Actually Pod on Twitter, Sex Actually Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, if you want to email us again, you don't have to even have anything to say. If you have any questions, let us know. If you just want to tell us where you are listening, if you're a divorcee who lives in Virginia or a, a Pepsi bus a truck driver who listens all over the country, just let us know. I love to know who I'm talking to. I appreciate you guys. You're part of the team. This is our family. Let's share some love. Thank you guys so much for making this a rewarding thing. Hey, episode 300 is right around the corner. What should we do? Should we, should we do a live show? Should we do something special? Should I do a collaboration thing? What, what is it? Should I do a roast? Maybe I'll get a bunch of my old... um listeners on it. We can roast each other. Let me know. Anyway, I'm going to try to heal up. I got to put a bandaid on my nose, take out the old gardening hat and um, go start a book club. Uh, All right, folks, as always, your host, Dave Neal. Bye.